Church, I just want to um, start this morning and uh, I just want to pray. I just want to release God to work on our midst this morning. So let's stretch out your hands to the Lord and let's just pray. Father, Father, I thank you that you've met with us this morning. Father, I thank you that you are here. Father, that you are present. You are in our midst. Father, when two or more agree in your name, it shall be done. Holy Ghost, we invite your presence here now. Holy Ghost, come and speak into lives, speak into hearts. Father, I decree breakthrough. I decree your word go forth mightily and powerfully. Father, I decree your word penetrate hearts and minds this morning. Father, that we are come to a new level in you. Holy Ghost, have your way in us today. Father, we yield to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, two weeks ago, my good friend Vaughan brought a fantastic message on, uh, on Joseph. And when he said, uh, turn to Genesis 37, I thought, there goes my message. Far out. But uh, praise Jesus, he didn't quite go there. And uh, <laughs> Vaughan, <laughs> Vaughan, Vaughan talked about uh, how you can be in a prison, uh, but you can make it a palace by bringing the presence of God and then just changing our circumstances by how we see. And uh, last week, uh, Pastor Lynn brought a fantastic message about Elisha and how he chased Elijah and he pursued the anointing that was on Elijah, and how, uh, how there was a picture of Jordan, and how it's for us to carry the ministry of Christ, the anointing of Christ, into our community to reach and to win, see souls saved, to see a breakthrough. And I want to build on that message series um, today. I want to talk about cooperating and aligning with God to participate in His biggest and His best for our lives. So cooperating and aligning with God to participate in his biggest and his best for our lives. So I just want to start, we'll we'll just do a brief overview of of the story of Joseph so that we're all starting on the same page. And uh, have you guys, some of you might have seen Lego Star Wars. I don't know if you've seen the Lego Star Wars, it's a little animation. And uh, they do the whole Star Wars series in about two minutes. So we're going to go for a Lego Star Wars version of Joseph. Just, Just so that we're all starting on the same page. So... So Joseph, he, he was, uh, his dad was Jacob and Jacob is significant because he is of the line of the covenant. Jacob is Abraham's son. Abraham had an encounter with God. God said, I will bless you mightily. Jacob had two wives. He had Leah and Rachel and he was tricked into marrying Leah and, but he loved Rachel. Rachel was his favourite. But Rachel was barren. Uh, Joseph was Rachel's firstborn son. So you can imagine... The wife that you love, she's barren, and then she has a firstborn son. Then uh, this, this guy, Joseph, he was favoured by his dad. Joseph had a dream. He had a dream of greatness. He had a dream of bigness. But his brothers got a little bit jealous about that. Sold him as a slave, and uh, he found favour as a slave serving in Pontifer's house. He rose to the top before he was falsely accused, and he was in prison. Uh, in prison, again, Joseph found favour. Before he, he rose to the top and he interpreted dreams and that gift eventually brought him before Pharaoh uh, where he predicted a famine and he prepared a nation for a famine and that ended up saving nations. And, and in, the, in the process of saving nations, he was restored to his family. So this is the man, Joseph. He had a fantastic life. I'd like you to turn with me to Genesis 49. And verse 22. And this is, this is, uh, these verses are spoken by Jacob. And this is at the end of Joseph's life. And, 
and Jacob's prophesying over Joseph. And it's a prophetic declaration of purpose and destiny. You see, Joseph is a picture of Jesus. And, and so this prophetic declaration applies to us today. So reading uh, Genesis 49, verse 22, Joseph is a fruitful bower, a fruitful bower by a well. His branches run over the wall. The arches have bitterly grieved him, shot at him and hated him, but his bow remained in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty God of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. This is, a, this is a powerful set of verses. Joseph is a fruitful bough. A fruitful bough by a well. His branches run over the wall. Fruitful. Fruitful talks of kingdom purpose. It's our design to be fruitful. John fifteen sixteen says that you would bear fruit and your fruit would remain. That is what we are called to do. It is a kingdom principle that we are fruitful, that we have an assignment that is unique to us for us to walk in. Ephesians 2 says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, that we would walk in them, that God prepared beforehand, that God knew he predestined this. Uh, Pastor Mike's been talking a series out of Revelation 19, Righteous Acts of the Saints, being fruitful. This is a kingdom principle, being fruitful. Now there's two types of fruitfulness. There's the natural fruitfulness where you, you have a lot of kids or you're productive in your workplace or business or uh, you know, you're, you're fruitful in the community. But there is an eternal fruitfulness. And that's what we're talking about today. See, for a, for a season there, I, I pursued fruitfulness in my workplace. And that's a good thing. I'm not saying that you shouldn't. Uh, when I came to, uh, to collecting all, all the stuff that I've done together for an application to, to become an engineer... It read really well. I've done some big projects. They were, they were really cool projects. And, uh, and I've won some awards, which was, I mean, that's really cool. You know, that's, that's a good thing. But the thing I, it struck me as I was reading this, that they were fruitful in the natural, but that didn't satisfy. That didn't last. I had to continue to continue to continue. What lasted, what struck me in my heart as I was writing this was that the things of God, the fruit of God, is what lasts. The fruit of God is what is attractive. The fruit of living a life for God is what is attractive. What is the fruit? The fruit is to represent and reflect Christ, to reflect him into this world. Galatians 2 said it is Christ who is alive in me. That is the fruit, that we reflect the living God, that we bring heaven on earth. Heaven on earth. That sounds, uh, Ian was talking about that with me earlier in the week. He says heaven on earth. That is being fruitful. That is to bring heaven on earth. Luke 4, that Pastor Lynn brought out last week, the anointing of Christ, the fruitfulness to bring salvation, to bring deliverance, to bring restoration, to bring healing. That is the fruitfulness. We're not called to sit around doing church. We are called to go out and be church, to be fruitful. We are a fruitful people. Uh, Joseph is a fruitful bough. I don't know what that was. I don't even really know how to say it. So I looked it up. A fruitful bough is, is a branch. He is a fruitful branch. And uh, John 15.5 says, I am the branch. Jesus said, I am the branch and you are the branches. So it is that connection, that intimacy with God that brings forth the fruit. Joseph was a fruitful bough. He was connected in with God. That intimacy brought the fruit. 
And it talks about a well, a fruitful bough by a well. Now, a well, you, uh, you imagine a well that uh, you're in a place of desertness or, or barrenness, and, and to get to a well, you've got to dig deep. You've got to go through the upper layers of things and dig deep into the, into the reservoirs, the rivers that flow beneath the earth and connect into that. Uh, a well is, is a, a place of source or supply. It is it's something that you search out for, that you contend for. The Bible talks about how the kingdom of God is within us. It is something that, is, that we seek out. Ephesians 3.20 the exceeding abundantly above and beyond anything we ask for a thing according to the power that works in us. In us. The well is in us. John 7 says, out of our belly will flow rivers of living water. That is the well. See, the church, the church has a well. The, 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 the church, the corporate church together as we join together, there, there is a well in, in the house, a well that is to be protected, a well that is is, is to, uh, we were to press in deep into that well so that that well can continue, that well can overflow, that there's a life of God in us that overflows. And, the, and these verses talk about branches running over a wall. So Joseph, his life ran over a wall. A wall is like a, a boundary or a limit. And to go over that, you break through, you break out over boundaries and limits. Pastor Suze was praying through the worship this morning that we would be a church that breaks through, that goes through beyond the limits. We would break over the wall. That is who we are. That is who we are today. It always involves something outside of us. It's not doing church. It is being church. It always involves others. It always outworks beyond what we see in our family, in our workplace and in our community. We, um, as we read on, verse 23, the archers have bitterly grieved him, have shot at him and hated him. And that's pretty full on after this, this pretty awesome first verse, you know, we're talking about prophetic kingdom destiny, talking about the power of God within you, talking about breakthrough, breaking out over the walls. The archers have shot at him, have bitterly grieved at him, have hated him. And this is a picture of Christ. Christ came on earth to represent the kingdom, to bring forth a fruitfulness. And the archers shot at him, bitterly wounded him. See, there is a contention for the kingdom. There is a contention to advance. And, and, and this always outworks through people. This, this contention that outworks, because we're in an imperfect world full of imperfect people. And, and offence comes. It comes from those around you, those close to you. It comes through family, friends, through people in authority, through the church. Offences come. There are wounds. There is bitterness. I think someone's got a text message over there. You got that one? <laughs> Offences come. See, Joseph's journey is our journey. There is a Joseph in us. So Joseph had a dream. You have a dream. You have got a desire. You've got something inside of you. If you took a minute to sit and reflect, you have got something inside of you, a desire that you long to see fulfilled. Joseph had a, he had a call on his life, an assignment, that you have a call on your life, that you have an assignment. But much more than that, we 
together here as the church of this well, of the well here at Bay City, we have an assignment. We have a call. We have a destiny. But there's a, a kingdom purpose and an assignment that we discover together as we each work together, as we each build together. But it was a journey. It, Joseph didn't just arrive at, the, at, at this, well, hey, I'm too I see in, uh, in Egypt and uh, everyone responds to me, I'm the man. He, he, just didn't, he didn't just arrive at that point. He, there was a journey that he had to go through. Uh, there's a journey in our lives that we all walk through. It's a, and we can learn from that journey. I've learned from that journey. So let's, let's have a, a little look at, at Joseph's journey. He had, a, he had a hard journey, my poor friend Joseph. He had a dream. Joseph had a dream. And then the second dream that he had, he, he had two dreams. The, the first one was, uh, was a, a, a stars or sheaves, I forget which order around, and, and the the sheaves all gathered around Joseph's and, and bowed to him. So it was a dream of being an authority, being in preeminence. And the second dream, the stars and the moon all gathered and bowed to Joseph. I mean, they're pretty cool dreams. And his father rejected that dream. And uh, that, that would have been hard for a young man to have, have his father reject the dream. We, we all have, can think of circumstances where we've had a father or a father figure reject a dream for our life, reject a desire that we have, try and bring a bit of reality into something that we uh, might be thinking about. It's uh, a father rejected a dream. That's, that's, a, that's an arrow there. That's an archer wounding. Joseph's brothers, so brothers can be you know, your physical brothers, but brothers can also be friends, uh, acquaintances, people that you connect with, people that have influence and sway in your life, brothers in Christ. His brothers betrayed him. They, gave, they, they betrayed his trust. They hated him. They deceived him. And they sold him as a slave. To have people around you betray you. To say one thing, come over here, join in this. And then to betray you. There, there is a wound that comes with this. There's a, an archer struck in, in his heart. Serving in, in Pontifer's house. He's in, in a foreign land. Uh, with a foreign culture, a foreign language. You know, he's not, what's going on here? And... Uh, and he's, he's falsely accused, yet he's walking in integrity. He's holding himself high. He's choosing to serve this man that he's been sold to and, and then becomes a false accusation. You know, I'm sure we can all think of times when false accusations come against us and we've suffered the consequences. More likely when we were as a kid and it wasn't you that set fire to the curtain, but you're the one that got put in time out. I don't know if you guys have ever set fire to the curtain. I don't... Just, just me. <laughs> just me. And uh, I mean, that's hard. When you're falsely accused, that, that brings a grief. That, that, that brings something in there. And then Joseph was put into prison. And, uh, and he rose to the top in prison. But again, there was a delay. So he's got this dream burning in his heart. And then there is a delay and, and a hope deferred. And then he helps some people out and there's an ingratitude or a seeming ingratitude. And we can all think of times when we've, we've put out our best, we've helped others with what we've got, and, and then there's no thanks. There's no, it's just this ingratitude. And then there's a delay, something that you're hoping for, something that you've been promised. Someone promises you something and then there's a delay, 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 delay. And it doesn't happen and you lose heart. 
in, uh, in Psalm 105, 19, if we just want to turn over there. Psalm 105. This is talking about Joseph and it says, Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So Joseph had a word over his life. We have a word over our lives as sons and daughters of the living God. Until the word, until the time that the word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. So it talks about time, so there's a season, there's a perfect will of God, and it talks about the Lord testing. So there's an opportunity for for us to grow in character, to represent him, to fully participate in what God has for our life, if we will listen, if we will respond. If you just um, flick back to Genesis 40, this is how it looked in, in Joseph's life. So Joseph didn't just arrive as 2IC in Egypt. He had a journey to get to 2IC in Egypt. We're not just going to arrive at this giant well with life overflowing. You don't just arrive as, as a Pastor Mike with all this fruit abounding off your life. There is a journey to, to go through, a process that we go through that where the Holy Ghost is speaking into us and, and correcting us and changing our behaviour and our attitudes. And as we choose to align and cooperate with him, that's when our well gets bigger, that's when our well gets deeper, that's when the power, the, the purposes of God shine forth. So when Joseph was in, in prison, and uh, I mean, I've never been in prison, but I can imagine prison would suck. I can imagine it is not cool. It is not called prison because it is, because it is a lovely place to be. You, you don't, I mean, maybe we do now, you don't normally decorate a prison. You don't normally make this a lovely place to sit. You don't normally put fragrance over the toilet and put Sky TV. You know, it's not, it's not a nice place to be. It's not a nice place to live. And Joseph is in this prison. And, and he's gone through these offences, these things, these situations that have occurred and happened to him. And he's got this dream. And, and we read this story with the end in mind. We know he became 2IC uh, of, of Egypt, second in command in Egypt. But Joseph didn't know that. He was in prison. And, and he's going through these, these, these things in his heart, these, you know, these, these offences, these injustices in his heart. He's sitting in prison. It's a cold, it's damp, it's a dark place. And, and, and these verses here, as he, as he interprets dreams for two of his, his friends, give us an insight into what Joseph was wrestling with at that time. So in, in, in Genesis 40, verse 14, so he's just, he's just interpreted two dreams. There was a butler and a wine taster. One got a really good uh, dream, and, and that was, uh, I'll just check which one it is, the cup. So it must be the, uh, the wine taster got a good interpretation. And, and so Joseph said, you're going to be restored. It's going to go well for you. Uh, but remember me when it is well for you, and show kindness to me. Make mention of me to Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews, and I've done nothing here that they should put me in this dungeon. Remember me. Remember me. So he's saying to this, this Egyptian, remember me. Get me out of this house. 
You get me out of this house. You get me out of this situation. Joseph's focus had become on a man. He became a victim in his circumstances. Where's God, you know, in prison? Where's God? Is, Is he distant? Has he become angry with me? Joseph starts to try and control the outcome. He says to this man, remember me. When you're standing before Pharaoh, remember me, restore me. Get me out of this house. See, he's losing the connection with God. He's losing faith. He's losing the activation of the Holy Ghost in his life. Remember me. It's, it's our focus when it comes off our God and what our God is doing, a kingdom focus, and it starts sitting on the natural focus, what we see in the natural. Then we start feeling overwhelmed and helpless in our situations and our circumstances. And he says, I was stolen from the land of the Hebrews. I have done nothing that they should put me here. So there's an offence and an injustice that's coming out of his words as he's speaking. There's an offence and an injustice that's holding him in prison. And if you flick down to Genesis 41... It says, at the end of two full years. So Joseph had two years, two full years from that point where he interpreted the dream. He had two full years where there was an, a character and adjustment, where there was an outworking, where there was a cooperation in his heart, where there was an alignment with God for his kingdom purposes that he could participate fully in the bigness of God's plan for him. See, our plans... They're okay. You know, I'm a, I'm a design engineer. I come up with some, some stuff and it kind of looks okay. You know, and you're always a little bit restrained by time and by costs and uh, what the architect wants, what the client wants. You know, you're sort of in this little... But God's plans are so much bigger, just so much bigger than what we can even think or hope or imagine. Like, imagine, imagine our, our plan. It would be cool if, if some people maybe came up and had their knees healed. God's plan, what if you walked in this door and you got healed? What if out in, someone came into your home and you got healed? What if, what if out in the street there was, there was a salvation just because of who you are and what you carry? See, God's plans are so much bigger, just so much bigger than what we can think or we can hope or what we can imagine. In every situation with Joseph, there was favour. When he got sold as a slave, when he was in prison, there was favour. He rose to the top. God didn't leave him in this journey of two years from where he was to where he needed to be that his heart could align. God doesn't leave us. He is with us. He loves us. He is intimately connected with us. He desires the best for our lives. His plan for our life is so much bigger. He wants us to partner with him, to cooperate with him, that we can walk in the bigness the fullness of what God has for us. The bigness. The, the, just the bigness. It's, it's in my spirit. That just the, the bigness of what God has for our lives. See, Joseph at that point, he might have sort of set a cap. You know, maybe prison's it. But, hey, if you get out, remember me to Pharaoh. That's not God's plan for our life. It's not God's plan that our church just sits at this size. It's not God's plan that our church is just about this church. His plan for us is to stop doing church and being church, to influence a city and a region. That's God's plan for our lives. It's his plan for my life and for your life and our lives together. So I went through um, a Joseph experience, I guess. And uh, if you had said to me 12 months ago, 
that I had an issue with authority, that I was in prison, that I was capping myself through my attitudes and my mindsets, I wouldn't have believed you. I would have been polite to you, but I wouldn't have been able to see it. Was it a difficult journey to go through? Yes, it was. If I had known the fullness of that journey, maybe I wouldn't have started. But that's the wisdom of God. He doesn't necessarily tell you the whole thing. He just shows you the first bit. and says, hey, if you do this, this might be a little bit better. And then as you step into that, you say, whoa, there's a whole lot more going on here. Why did God bring some things to my attention? See, there was just through some, some circumstances that were going on in my life, some, some things, some heart attitudes, some heart limitations started coming to my attention. I started becoming aware of these things. Why did God bring that to my attention? Because he wanted to prepare me for, for the next season, for a greater level of cooperation, for, for a bigger measure of him in me. You see, um, my, my son, my eldest son, had, um, had an operation on his foot. He had some tendons switched sides and, uh, and it all healed up. You could, just, you could see a scar, but you couldn't see anything else. It had all healed up. And, uh, but a little bit of surgical matter was left in that. And, and within a couple of months, we couldn't see it, but within a couple of months, this, it became quite a large bump on his ankle. And then suddenly, the side of his foot blew out. And, and it was the size of a 50-cent coin. And, and it took him out, it took Josiah out. So he was walking, he was running, he was just enjoying life. And then suddenly he was taken out. He was in a wheelchair, he couldn't walk, he was crawling around. And it's, it was like that in my heart. See, God had done some work. I had, I had opened up a bit of my heart. Here you go, God, here's a bit. And, and he'd done some adjustments. But there's a little bit of surgical matter left in there. There was a little bit of the world left in there. There was a little bit of me and how I thought left in there. And, and our hearts, like my son's foot, that little bit of surgical matter, that little bit of thing that was left in there gets infected and then it blows out. And, and my son's foot, I mean, it's just a foot. It's just like the side of your, it's a very small fraction of his body, yet it took out the whole body. The body couldn't function as it was designed to function because of a tiny little bit of surgical matter left in his foot. So that, it impressed upon me as I saw this, unfold at the same time as I was going on my journey impressed on me the significance of dealing with the stuff in front of me. And it came up through tension in relationships through my workplace and through church. And as I started looking, it was a repeating thing. You know, the things that you're going through now, probably if you looked at it, it's a repeating cycle. It's something that when you start looking, for me it was when I was very young. And then again, with uh, the situation with Josiah, it came up again, and then through involvement in church and serving, I mean, there's always an opportunity there, isn't there? And, uh, <laughs> and, and what I felt was an injustice in my heart. The way I'd been treated was unfair, that I'd been taken advantage of, and my mindset had become I wasn't good enough. I discovered as I journeyed in this, that, that I had an issue with authority, really, deep down. That was an issue with it. There was a fear of rejection, a fear of failure. There was an inferiority that, that I had around me. And if someone had come up and said that, like I said before, you've got an inferiority around you, you've got an issue with authority. Well, I wouldn't have seen it. It, it. it required the journey 
for me to align and cooperate with God that I could see these things and deal with it. I would withdraw, I would cover and hide and protect myself and my identity and approval became in people and position and, and what I could do. And so I lost who I really was. I, you know, at the start of this year, I didn't really know who I was. I didn't really know the gifts that God had placed in my life. I didn't really know who I had been called to be because of these things being outworking. And, uh, you know, and I could look, just as, as you start to look and see, I, I could look and see that in my work situation it was causing uh, a breakdown of relationship, quite a severe breakdown of relationship. Um, serving in the church, um, <laughs> you're all going to start trying to guess who it is and what it is. You know, I don't, don't do that. <laughs> in, in one particular area, I'll be vague. In one particular area, I felt controlled. We've all felt controlled in relationships, haven't we? And in this particular area, I thought, well, do you know what? I'm going to go and talk to this person about this controlling attitude that they have. And so I went through, <laughs> so I went through my emails. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm like a lawyer now. I'm getting through the evidence, ready to go and meet this person. And as I was looking through it, I couldn't see what I, what I thought I could see. I couldn't see the control. I'd completely taken it the wrong way and God dropped it in my heart. Actually, it was my fault. I had breached relationship. I needed to go to this person not to confront, but to repent. Whoa, I didn't like that. And, and you know, as the lid started coming off, I realized that my attitude to authority uh, was preventing me from serving in different ministries because serving means coming under authority. To be in authority, you have to be under authority. And I was looking to the man. I was looking at the man, not looking to, to God and the bigness of God. I was looking to the man in that. And, and that, that was limiting and capping me, but also limiting capping the church. Uh, I, I was shut down and I, I felt an expectation. Now, it wasn't that the leaders of this house are mean and nasty. or you know, It's nothing like that. It was internal root systems inside of me that, that I felt this expectation that I have to do this or I have to perform this way or I have to pray this way or I have to preach this way or, you know, there's, a, there's this expectation. And uh, I remember one particular meeting, it was just mentioned that such and such was the youngest. And I was the youngest. And then that's, that's nothing, is it? It's like, who cares, really, about age? Who cares? But for me, I was up till the wee hours of the morning because it really bugged me. It just really bugged me. It got under my skin, so I'm thinking, God, you must be saying something here. God, you've, you've got my attention now. Why does this bug me so, so much? And actually, it turned out, it was because of the expectation of I'm seen to be older, then I should be doing more, and there was that, in my mind, there was that ungodly expectation. And it just so happened the next morning, someone preached on the same thing. And because I'd adjusted in my heart, I could then see it, and I could receive it, and I could change because I cooperated and I aligned with the Holy Ghost. That's what he's calling us to do as a church. We need to align with the Holy Ghost. We need to cooperate with the Holy Ghost. We need to change. We need to take heed of what he is saying that we can embrace and walk in the fullness, the fullness, the bigness of his plan. See, with Joseph, it wasn't just his brothers that bowed down to him. It was the whole of Egypt bowed down to Joseph. The bigness, the bigness of our plan. So for me, what did I do? I met with someone and talked about it. 
I had to surrender my life to a deeper level. I had to deal with issues. I had to, it was a spirit problem. It needed a spirit solution. But there's also a practical outworking. I needed to repent. I needed to release forgiveness. I needed to meet with some people and start putting some things right. I, uh, I captured a revelation of authority that's become in me a well. So to be in authority, you are under authority. If you don't have that alignment right, then you have no authority. And, and so as I started embracing this revelation, it transformed my life, it transformed how I see, it transformed my relationships with people in authority, and suddenly they didn't become something that I pushed away or hid from, it became something to pursue, something to align with, something to embrace around my heart, something to speak in. We all need to play our part to build. We all need to, you know, it's, we're all members of the one body. See, if I hadn't have made these adjustments, there are people around me that would have missed out on what, what I could contribute, what God could contribute through me if I didn't make that adjustment. As a church, we were praising God this morning and, and, and Ian uh, called us to account, really, of where are we living? What, what, are, what are we thinking? Did we, did we come in this morning with the bigness of God and the fullness of God and a well that's overflowing? Or do we come in aware of our problems and our, our circumstances? And you see that when there's more people taking from the atmosphere than giving to the atmosphere, then that affects, as a church, what we can do. So as a church... It's impressed on my heart. As a church, we need to arise. As a church, we need to deal with these things that God's speaking to us about so that as a church, we can fulfill the bigness of God's call for our lives. See, it's a, it's a process of change. It's a personal journey. And, and really, what's at stake is eternity. Not a lot, do they? Just eternity just your eternal destination, your eternal reward, the, the, the people not in this building, that's what's at stake. The bigness of God in this community, that it's not just about this church, but it's about Hastings, Hawke's Bay, that's what's at stake. There's a big, there's something big at stake. In, uh, in Genesis 49, so Joseph, he had two years, and it doesn't record much about what he did, so really, I can just make up anything I want. But I wouldn't do that. <laughs> Here's what God spoke to me in, through Joseph in, in those two years. How did Joseph get from where he was to the fullness, the bigness of God? How do we as a church, how do we get from where we are now to having this house overflowing, to having the supernatural manifest presence of God abundant in our lives? How did how did it happen? In uh, verse 24, uh, Genesis 49:24, it says, "But his bow remained in strength." Joseph, but his bow remained in strength. So the archers have bitterly grieved him, has shot at him and hated him, but his bow remained in strength. His bow remained in strength. Joseph didn't quit. He didn't settle. He arose and he contended for his destiny, for his purpose. He didn't 
crumble under the weight, but his bow remained in strength. But despite what I'm seeing with my eyes, I am a spirit being. I will walk by faith today and not by sight. I will lock into the bigness of God. I will not quit. I will contend. I will contend. I will arise and I will contend. In, uh, in Hebrews 6, if we just flick over there, if we can find Hebrews. Hebrews 6, it says, verse 10, For God is not unjust to forget your work and your labor of love which you have shown towards his name that you have ministered to the saints and do minister. So God's not unjust to forget what we're doing now. He's well pleased with what we're doing now. But then it goes on to say that you do not become sluggish. Don't become sluggish, but imitate those who by faith and patience inherit the promises who by faith and patience don't become sluggish, don't become lacking in energy, don't become slow to respond, don't, become, don't, don't lack in your working with full vigour, but arise, contend, stand strong in the Lord, imitate those who by faith and patience inherit the promises. So there's people that have gone before us that have dug this well, the well of Bay City. Imitate these people who have by faith and patience have inherited the promises. Pastor Mike, Ian, Pastor Lynn, that these people have gone before us, it is now ours. Do not, do not grow weak. Do not grow weak. His bow remained in strength. In uh, Hebrews 10, God spoke this to me. And you know, I was hoping for a nice little um, happy verse. You know how sometimes you just get a happy verse of encouragement? And he speaks to me, don't become sluggish. Don't become sluggish. Don't settle where you are. Don't become sluggish. Pursue the upward call of God. Don't sit here be happy with this, pursue the upward call of God, the bigness of God, the, the best of God. In Hebrews 10 it says, um, Now the just shall live by faith. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. If anyone draws back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who draw back, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. We today, church, we are not of those who draw back. We are of those who believe. We are of those who believe. Us, our bows will remain in strength because we are not going to draw back. But despite what I see in front of me, despite the issues of my heart, the issues outworking in relationships, despite the arches, I will not draw back. We will, we will not draw back. We will be of those who believe. We will be a place who believes. We will be a men and women, a body of Christ, who believes. We don't settle. We won't settle. We will establish his truth. Point two, we will establish his truth and declare his word. We will establish his truth and declare his word. See, revelation is great, but revelation needs to outwork in transformation or it just sits as revelation. When we, when we get the revealed word of God, it needs to outwork in our life. There is a contention for that to outwork, our bow needs to remain in strength. As I got a revelation of authority, that God is the highest authority, that he sits over all, there was a contention for that to outwork and I needed to stand and decree it, to decree his truth over my life, to establish it, that, that we all have promises that we are holding on to God, that we as a church need to stand and believe and to contend 
to speak that truth that will be established in our lives, to be established in our heart. Isaiah 16, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise, stand up. Don't let your bow be, be weak. Don't let your bow be, be weary. Don't. Arise, shine, for your light has come. Arise, stand and decree the word over your life because the living God is with you who is going to enable you in this circumstance, in this situation. At the end of Genesis, actually, and as Jacob had died, this point, point three, it's in Genesis 50. And Joseph's brothers were a little bit concerned that now that Jacob's dead, Joseph didn't really go through the, a heart transformation and grow up in God, that he might now actually <laughs> offer the heads. And so that, they've come to, to Joseph and you know, please don't kill us type thing. And, uh, and Joseph said to them, do not be afraid for am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? See, Joseph had a kingdom worldview. God is the highest authority. That all authority is of God. It is not of man. And that our attitude to man is as is our attitude to God. So there's no way Joseph would want to cut off these guys' heads to act out of that malice because he had a kingdom worldview. Am I in the place of God? Jeremiah 33 says that, Behold, Lord God, you have created the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. There is nothing too hard for you. You created the heavens and the earth. So when we sit up and we look at the stars at night and they are still going on and on and on, the bigness, the vastness of space that we ascribe, we declare our God created that to the very smallest detail that holds our body together. God, you created the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. You are the highest authority. You are over all. Am I in the place of God? God is God. Let God be God. He is the highest authority. I choose to come under his authority, under his alignment, that that would be represented through me. Am I in the place of God? It talks about an alignment of our hearts. It talks about a pulling down of the idols that we have placed there, the things that we are holding on to that aren't of God. Am I in the place of God? I abdicate the throne room of my heart and I place you there as Lord and as King. We act in a, in a humility. Humility means to, in an attitude of absolute surrender to his lordship in our life. An inner attitude of absolute surrender. Of absolute surrender. That's a journey. A journey of absolute surrender. And 1 Peter 5, it talks about humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord and that he will raise you up in due time. It talked about, remember in, in Psalms, it talks about how, how Joseph had been tried by the Lord but in due time the word came to pass. In due time as we humble ourselves before our God, as we live with an attitude of complete surrender to you, as a church, if we live with an attitude of complete surrender to you, that in due time he will raise us up. We don't have to look to the, the winemaker or to the world or to the lights or to the show or to the program. We can look to our God. He will raise us up. Am I in the place of God? 
Verse 20, he says, But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about at this day to save many people. So what you meant for evil, God meant for good. What the situations, the circumstances that we're going through, what that might look like as to being evil, God means it for good. See, the, the tension that I felt in my heart as I was going through relationships, I could look at it and say, oh my goodness, there's this big wall of resistance, there's this giant devil, there's a Goliath, you know, there's this... And, and in, in some respects there was. But actually God was using that circumstance to, to open my eyes that I could see, hey, there is a bigger issue going on here. I need to realign my heart. God meant it for good. It was as I cooperated and allowed the Holy Ghost to hold sway in my life that I got the breakthrough. It was as I humbled. So that Isaiah 55 says, your way is higher than my ways. Your thoughts be on me. That's my paraphrase. I, I declare it to God. I, I regularly become conscious that your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts be on me. That you are above all. You are above all. That I can trust you. I can trust my God, that he is true and that he will do it, what he says he will do. I trust you. I trust your word is true. I trust that you will look after us. In this situation, this circumstance, I'm scared, it's hard, but God, I trust you. I trust you. And then in, in Genesis 50:21, he says, Now, do not be afraid, to his brothers, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. See, Joseph had gone through a heart transformation. He had aligned and cooperated with God to see the bigness of God. And it wasn't just about Joseph. It was about his family. It wasn't just about his family because from that family came Israel. It wasn't just about Israel because out of Israel came Jesus. Out of Jesus comes us. Joseph's decision had a much bigger effect than what he could possibly have thought of at that time. It always outworks together. We are in this together. We are a family together. Whether we like each other or not, we are in it together. Someone was, was saying, I can't remember if it was this morning, that unity commands a blessing. When we are of one heart, one mind, that is where the blessing will come. We need each other. 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the body. We are a body of Christ. We've got eyebrows, we've got ears, we've got nose hair, we've got kneecaps. You know, not everyone wants to be the nose hair, not everyone wants to be the ear. But we need each bit working together. We can't all be eyes, we can't all be noses, we can't all be ears. We need each other. Together, we are in this together. This is our legacy our journey, our destination, together. And, that is, and the Bible says that God sets each bit in it as he pleases. He has set you as he pleases. He has set me as he pleases. So we just have the, um, the worship band up. See, Joseph, when he cooperated and aligned with God, there was a tremendous favour and tremendous breakthrough over his life that he influenced nations. As I went through my heart journey, stuff broke off my life that has brought me into a whole new realm of connecting with God, a whole new uh, 
level of being able to minister him to those around me. I wouldn't have got there if I hadn't have gone through that journey. I was talking to a friend during the week and, and he, was, he was saying he, he had this issue in his heart of fear and it was a very difficult issue to face with. He could feel God talking to him about it, this issue of fear and how it outworked to others around him. He went through a, a journey, a process to deal with this issue of fear and he resolved it and he's hanging on to the word of God and in his workplace he's now being promoted far above everybody else in his workplace because as he cooperated with God it opened the way for God's power to move on his life. He's now in a place of influence that he wouldn't have been if he hadn't taken that journey. So church, we have an assignment to represent God. That the details are outworked by our loving God that it's our responsibility to engage and participate in the bigness that he has for our lives. That there is a grace enabling us to do this. But it takes us together as a church. It takes every one of us building together, working together as a family, dealing with what God's talking to us about, cooperating, establishing his truth, tearing down those idols, participating in the bigness for him, the bigness of his work in our lives. It's not just one or two. It takes all of us, all of us together as a church, as a group of believers. It takes all of us dealing with the stuff, journeying in him, that the bigness of God would be manifest in this place. Do you know I have it in my spirit and I've heard it prophesied over this house, that that verse about a well, that the branches runneth over. This is not a one generation church. This is a generations church. And it is up to us to participate. It is up to us to deal with the stuff that's going on in our hearts, that we could participate, that we could become worthy vessels to carry the light, to carry the well, to carry the lampstand, to carry the flow, the anointing of God out, out into the workplace. It takes us to join together, one heart, one mind, one accord. Say, yes, God. Yes, God, use me. Yes, God, I will participate. Yes, God, I will yield to what you are saying in my life because it is us together as a church that we will accomplish much. just like to, with every eye closed, every head bowed. I'd just like to give you an opportunity to respond today. In a, in a minute, we're going to stand and we're going to pray. I'd just like you now to wait on God. See, for me, this journey outworked over a number of months. And I believe that God is talking to a number of people today about an area of your life that you need to make right, an area of alignment, an area of adjustment that you need to make. Not only do you need to make it for you that you walk in the fullness of God, but we need you to make it that we may walk in the fullness of God. I'd just like you to ask now, Holy Ghost, what is it? What is it that you are talking to me about? What is it that I need to change? What is it that I need to adjust? What is the attitude? What is the mindset? Is there something in the past that has wounded and limited me? What is my attitude to authority like? Am I carrying injustice? Is it about me? Am I pleasing people? Am I bound in performance? Do I have fear around my life? Am I cold in my prayer, in my worship, in my service? 
What is it? What is it that God's talking to you about today? That the Holy Ghost is talking to you about today? And just as that thing drops in your heart, I'd like us as a church to stand together as an act of surrender. As we stand together and we raise our arms to our loving and living God. Father, I thank you today that you have spoken into our hearts and our lives about what we need to do to cooperate with you. What areas it is that we need to yield to you that we might participate in the fullness of what you have. Father, Father, as a church, we say yes. We say yes. We say yes. We say yes to you. Father, we choose to respond. We choose to do what it needs to take. God, that we would walk in the bigness. We would fully participate in the bigness of the plan that you have for us. Thank you, Jesus. Just in this quiet place now, if you are here and you are not a Christian, or you are here and you are backslidden, I'd like to give you an opportunity now to respond, to receive Christ as your Saviour. In a minute, I will ask you to raise your hand and acknowledge me. But as we've been talking today, you've become aware that what you see now isn't all that there is that there is more, that you want more. And you want to meet this Jesus that we've been talking about, this Saviour that has a purpose and an assignment for you, unique to you and a loving God that outworks everything for your good. If that is you here today and you would like to become a Christian, you would like to receive Jesus as your Saviour, would you please raise your hand? church what I feel that we need to do now is we need to arise and we need to contend for our well. We need to arise and we need to contend for the flow of the living God that we would participate in the bigness that he has for us. So I'd just like us to link arms as a, as a symbol of unity of standing together if we just link hands across the auditorium this morning. as we have chosen, yes Lord we will yield to you and we will cooperate and align. Let us pray strong in our spirit. Let us pray strong and contend for the bigness of God for our lives. Father, I thank you that we are here of one heart and one mind. Father, we choose to respond to you and your word to align our lives with you. Father, we contend for the supernatural. We contend for faith. We contend for the outworking of the Holy Ghost in our lives. Father, we contend for the bigness of you, that your spirit would outwork in our lives, would outwork in this church, would outwork in this community. Father, we say yes. Use us, Lord. Yes. I prophesy the fire of the Lord over your lives, over your minds, over your hearts, that the Spirit of the Lord would talk to you and walk with you, that these coming days you would drop in your heart seeds, that you would adjust and you would change, 
that you would come up into the bigness of God. I declare the bigness of God over this church. That it's not a one generational church. That it's not within these walls. That it's flowing out into the community. Into this nation. Into nations that it will overflow. I speak fire. I speak life. I decree life in the name of Jesus. Life in the name of Jesus. Live in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.